say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction My name is Jay Izzo And oh wow do we have a great show Oh man all the way from the UK Did you hear that I made a rhyme Her name is Somi Arian Oh wow the book is entitled Career Fear and How to Beat It. Folks, let's be honest. We are living in a technological, artificial intelligence world. And you know what? Some of you are losing your jobs because of it. What do you do? And then you got to think, oh my gosh, is my job next? Can my job be the possible one? Is, my, I'm gonna go, is AI going to take over my job? Maybe. But what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? I'm looking at you right in the eye. What are you going to do about it? Ah, well, you know what? I can tell you what you can do about it. You're going to listen to Somi Arian because she's got the answers that you're looking for. That's right. You do not have to be afraid. She has found a way to be able to say, easy, easy. You just got to work on a few things, and it's going to be okay. That's how we're going to do this. That's what Somi's going to bring to the table and so much more. You're going to love the book, Career, Fear, and How to Beat It. Get the perspective, mindset, and skills you need to future-proof your work life. She's going to be awesome, but before we get to her, let's do what we do every week, right? And I walk you through your training. You know, the truth of the matter is we never really rise to the occasion when we're under stress and when we're under pressure, right? The truth is we really fall back to the level of our training. And I get it. We're in the midst of a pandemic worldwide, right? This isn't just about people here in the U.S. We're worldwide. We're in a pandemic, all right? And the truth is you got you to gotta really look at yourself because you've got four areas of your life you need to be training every day, right? That's your physical, your mental, your emotional, and your spiritual areas of your life, right? Somi is so right. She's going to talk about this in the book that you know what? You got to work on that physical, mental, emotional, spiritual end because if you're not working on it, here's the deal. It's going to be those things that are going to separate you from the rest of the technology. You got to work on it. So let's talk about your training in those four areas. Here's how it goes, right? It's a scale of one to 10, one being miserable when it comes to your training, 10 being, man, my trainings just can't get any better than that. And we're going to walk through these areas. All right. So we're, let's talk about the physical area. So what do I mean? Like, how's your physical training going? Okay. Exercise, eating right, drinking enough water, hydration, right? Getting enough sleep, right? How is your training going? When you get to, how would you evaluate yourself on that scale of one to 10? One being miserable, 10 being outstanding, five's an average. Right. First of all, don't get worried about the number. Right. Whatever that number is, it is that number. Here's the thing. That's our starting point. Right. And if you've been listening to the show over the course of weeks, you know, hopefully your numbers are progressively going up. Right. But if today's your first day, listen to the show and you say, you know what? The truth is I'm not really eating right. You know, I'm not really getting enough exercise. I'm clearly not drinking enough water. I'm drinking other things outside of water. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. I'm not sleeping well. Got to tell you something. Then maybe you're a two or a three. That's okay. The question becomes, and what are you going to do to change that? Right? It's not about it's not about being down on yourself because of your number. It's about what are you going to do to change that number right now? Right? So there's your first number. That's your physical number. The next number is the mental number. Somi is going to talk about things like critical thinking, and she's going to talk about contextual, you know. Con- creativity. Yeah, contextual creativity. Thank you. That was her. Did you hear what she did? She kind of helped me out there because all of a sudden I got lost in the train of thought, right? She's going to talk about focus. She's going to talk about our attention. She's going to talk about bias. She's going to talk about so many things, but the truth of the matter is mentally, you know, I got to ask you, are you a mental loafer? What? 
Jay, what do you mean mental loafer? You know, mental loafers don't take an, aren't an active participant in their mental, growing themselves mentally, meaning that they're, they let things come at them rather than taking an active role in how they learn. Right. And, you know, sometimes we think about learning to learn and it sounds kind of weird, but the truth is we really do need to learn to learn because that's the only way we can become an active participant and we get really, really lazy. We'll probably talk about Daniel Kahneman's system one and system two thinking, but the truth of the matter is sometimes we just go on automatic pilot and we just don't really want to learn. Right. What I'm talking about here is mentally, what are you doing to become an active learner to help yourself grow in in your in your physical, mental, emotional, your 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 business, your life. What are you doing? What are you doing to help yourself grow? And how's that going for you? Right? You know, you could be reading a book. This is a good book to read. That's kind of taking being an active participant. You can there's a lot of things you could do though. You can learn a new language, work both sides of your brain, you know, take up an instrument and work both sides of your brain. There are so many things that you can do to enhance the mental part of who you are. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of your mental training, right? Okay, you got two numbers, right? You got physical and mental. What about the emotional? Somebody, you know, spends a lot of time talking about the emotional intelligence and emotional quotients. And I know that's, if you listen to the show at any period of time, you know that I talk about those things all the time. And the truth of the matter is, I'm gonna make it really, really simple about emotional intelligence, emotional quotients. We're gonna get much deeper into it. But for you, here's what I wanna know. How well are you able to control your emotions under pressure? And then the second thing is how well are you able to actually have empathy for other people's emotions, meaning that how well can you understand the emotions of another human being? That's really the training because we're in constant emotional training every day. If you're driving your car and somebody cuts you off, that's emotional training. How well do you respond? Somebody talks about, you know, sometimes what happens is we, we lose the context of an email because we don't have the full context. We don't have the full emotional experience. And then sometimes we get ready to respond. But the truth is we have our own emotional context and we're ready to jump on this email and start saying something and we're angry, right? And we're about to shoot it off. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. See, that's emotional intelligence tells you, wait, don't, don't, don't press send. Bring yourself back down. And then, of course, the other side of that is, right, you know, when people are trying to emote, do you really understand what they're saying to you? Do you really understand what they're trying to say to you? And are you really being empathy? I'm not saying sympathy. I'm saying empathy, right? Can you walk in their shoes, right? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of your emotional your emotional training, right? One's miserable, 10's outstanding, right? Whatever that number is, what are you going to do to change it? Right, so you got three numbers: physical, mental, emotional, and then finally it's spiritual. And I get people who say to me regularly, "I'm not really a spiritual person," okay? But we're all spiritual, in 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 whether we really want to admit it or not. I mean, if it, I say this all the time, but I'm going to say it again. Look, if you have plans for the future, okay, if you believe that you've got something that you're going to do and it hasn't happened yet, and you believe it's going to happen, right? Well, that's faith, and and faith is spiritual. Right. And, and, you know, there are, you know, beyond our emotions, beyond our physical being, beyond our mental being, there are things that we just can't explain. Right. I mean, the fact of the matter is there is the spirit of a human being that goes way beyond what we even believe that they can do. Weight goes way past their emotional set. There's something inside them. That, you know, when you talk to the special operations forces guys and the guys that I've interviewed on the, sh- on the show, right, that they will tell you that there's something inside them 
that they can't explain that goes beyond them. That, that they know that it gives them a sense of calling and a sense of purpose, right? Which we're going to talk about that in a lot of different levels. And then there's the other thing is in the midst of chaos, we can still have peace. I didn't say happiness, I said peace. What does that for you? Right? Is it's you know, is it meditation? Is it God? Is it nature? What is it? What is it? And then how's it working? How's the training going? Is it working? Is it effective? Do you need to change it? Do you need to do something different? And on a scale of one to ten, how would you rate it? So you have you have these four areas, physical, mental, emotional, and they're all gonna you got and spiritual and they all have a number, right? You think of them as the legs of a chair. If if the legs of the chair are unequal, right, or out of balance, then your posture is out of balance, and that's going to cause problems down the road. If your chair is too low, you can't sit at a normal table and eat nutritiously and healthy. And speaking of someone who has all the legs of her chair equal, and she is absolutely healthy, her name is Somi Arian. She is a multi-award winning filmmaker, author, tech philosopher, entrepreneur, and a LinkedIn top voice in the UK. Somi's documentary, The Millennial Disruption, has won three international awards, and she has released this, her first book, I believe, called Career Fear, and it just came out. And in 2015, Somi founded Smart Cookie Media, where together her team and her, they created and distribute highly effective digital content for companies and individuals wishing to build their brand. Somi gives talks and workshops, hire her. I've listened to her over and over again. She is fantastic. Uh, internationally on the topics of digital transformation and millennial Gen Z engagement, both in marketing and HR. She is also the co-founder of Career Drive, an online platform which uses entertainment to teach emotional intelligence and is an investor and and as an investor and advisory board member of Neurocore, uh, bioelectronics and wearable technology startup. Uh, with a background in philosophy of science and technology and a decade of experience in film and TV, Somi applies her interdisciplinary approach to understanding the impact of technology on consumer behavior and the future of work. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to a new direction, Somi Arian. Welcome, Somi. Thank you for having me. Thank uh, you. You are so welcome. Well, I am so glad that you agreed to be on the show. I am... Uh, so excited because you um, you have written this amazing book, and I really, really, really loved it um, from the very beginning. And I'll tell you what really sparked me in this book is because, first of all, as a psychological professional, I loved it. But there was something that you say, and I'm going to jump 140 pages into your book. Right. Because I think there's sometimes there's a statement within the book that I go, okay, if we start with this statement, the whole rest of the book falls out of it. And it is in, it's on page 140 and it's in chapter eight, which by the way, chapter eight's title is called Critical Thinking and it's a fabulous chapter. You say, the essence of critical thinking, it is to know what we don't know and that what we think we know is more often than not a deception of our mind. That's right. And I, th I thought to myself when I read that, I said, you know, when it comes to all this artificial intelligence and the technology that we have today, that statement alone really is the essence, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, depending on how you're looking at it, from, from what angle you're looking at it, um, are you looking at it from the, you know, like I said in the beginning of the book, uh, there... Uh, Tolstoy says that um, you know, there are only ever two stories. One story is a man goes on a journey. The other story is a, a stranger comes into town. But what I say 
uh, is that actually there's only ever one story because the man that goes on a journey is the stranger that mm. comes into town right mm. so there's only ever one story what makes it two stories is from what from whose perspective we are looking at it and it's the same story with artificial intelligence artificial intelligence is the stranger that's coming into our town so it depends on how we are you know in this case are we looking at it as from the viewpoint like is this story being told from the viewpoint of us looking at this stranger coming into town or could it be that we are looking at it you know going a few years down the line maybe a few decades down the line when we are enhanced thanks to artificial intelligence we are enhanced as as um, individuals as humans as as a uh, species to a point that kind of like when we look at the apes right we look back at the apes and then we are like looking at like we we are the from we are looking at the stranger that went on the you know as the stranger that went on the journey so in that case you know then we are looking back so so i guess it depends on when you think about artificial intelligence, you know, when people worry a lot about, you know, how it's, it's so people often have either a utopian or dystopian idea of artificial intelligence, right? Most of the time. So very few people have the critical thinking to fall somewhere in the middle, right? right? right. Most of the time we, we get overly emotional and we are like, oh, this is bad. You know, it's, it's like going to destroy humanity or, oh, it's amazing. It's going to be great. Although most of the time I seem to hear people thinking of it in a negative term. And I, uh, you know, I'm like, so you're projecting yourself into the future. You're not really... Um, actually, most of the people who, who have these uh, thoughts about artificial intelligence, they're not actually taking the effort to learn anything about it. They're not learning, you know, they're not reading about the fundamentals of machine learning, you know, computer science. They're not really educating themselves on a fundamental level, on a conceptual level. I'm not saying go and learn coding, which it would be good. Look, I'm teaching myself coding. And I, it's not because I want to be a coder, but because I just feel obliged, you know, I feel, and maybe obliged is not, not the right word, compelled to, you know, to take an active participation role in what's happening, right? Right. So, so, um, so it, that's, that's where it comes to the critical thinking. It's like, you know, you're, you think you know something about artificial intelligence that you probably don't know. Your all of your uh, knowledge is probably coming from uh, watching Netflix movies and and you know uh, you know like uh, uh, Black Mirror or whatever. And uh, and and uh, it's either coming from that or like listening to a couple of podcasts here and there. You, you're not fully educating yourself. Right. And then the more you educate yourself, you realize the more you realize that actually you don't know, right? right. And one of my favorite. Um, uh, people on the planet in terms of, you know, my role, one of my role models in business is Ray Dalio. And he says uh, that in his book, Principles, is like, you know, the biggest reason for his success is his ability to be able to deal with his not knowing. Right. right to, to accept that he doesn't know and to uh, find ways to know, to understand as much as possible. The, you know, that's so... This is why I thought this was so critical about the book, because you do offer some really challenging things in this book. I mean, you do challenge us pretty well in this. And this is why I think that that particular quote became so important when it comes to this book, is that I don't want people to walk into this book with any preconceived motion, notions when they read this book. I want them to make sure that they understand you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, and to, exactly. And to read this book, 
I want you to read this book with a more open mind of going, I don't know what I don't know, so I need to, I need to really look at what she's saying. Because I'm going to now jump back to the introduction because here's something else that you said that I just found as a brilliant analogy. You know, the problem with this AI and this technology that we're in, and I've written about it extensively and have spoken about it extensively, but you are absolutely right. It is like we're sitting in a train that is moving 180 miles an hour, and it's very difficult to get clarity, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, actually, what I say is like I say you're sitting in the back of a back seat of a car, right? Um, because um, the, in a train, is uh, maybe it's harder because you it's harder to kind of say I'm going to become the uh, train conductor, you know, like the the uh, driver. But but like if you think about it, you're sitting in the in the back of a car, somebody else is driving it and it's going at 180 miles per hour. And you look outside the window and you're not seeing anything with clarity. Everything is moving fast, so fast that you cannot you know, make sense of, like you can't tell whether you just passed by a bird or a, you know, a lion or you know, just a tree. You can't tell because it's right. moving so fast. But if you can somehow, and you have the ability, and that's what the book is talking about, right? In, in chapter 10, the mindfulness. If you can find a way to puncture that speed, right, to, to stop that for a moment and say, you know what, like, I'm going to uh, slow it down so that, because when you slow down, what happens, you're looking out of the window and then all of a sudden, imagine all of those things that were moving, they were look like, they were looking like a line, you know, like these lines that were passing, the lines start to take shape and you suddenly start to see the trees and you start to see you know, uh, the side of the road, maybe the rubbish or whatever is on the side of the road. You see all of the things, the good and the bad, right? right? And then when it stops, right? So when it goes to 60 miles per hour, you're suddenly seeing more. When it goes to 20 miles per hour, you're seeing more. When it stops and you get off that car, that's when you have total clarity. Mm. And that's what I'm talking about. So when I talk about mindfulness, I'm not talking about some woo-woo, you know, sit there, you know, like with some candles or whatever. No. <laughs> You know, I'm talking about stopping, right. and and I'm saying this as a speed junkie. You know, I, I have ADHD. I, you know, I'm hyperactive, so I love speed. Speed is one of the values of my company. When I hire people, I'm like, there are three things that I care about. One of one in people, speed, transparency, always, no matter what. You know, mm-hmm. whatever goes wrong, whatever you're worried about, like, trans, complete transparency, and curiosity. These are the three values of my company. Mm. So speed is very important to me. And yet, as much as it's important to me, we need to be able to, to stop. Mm. We need to be able to puncture that speed. And it's never been more important than today because, you know, in the old times, our ancestors, you know, they would sit around fire at nighttime and they would look into the fire and, you know, and they would have a conversation. Life was a lot slower. Yeah. But now... It's so fast. So so it's like, it's just so bloody slow. Bloody. bloody, bloody. <laughs> I love that too. I love I that. Mean, you can that. say that all day long. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's so a, that's so a, uh, it's all about no, it's all, to be yeah. able to see with clarity. Yeah. So you know what? We're going to talk more about getting more clarity because I think, I think you're, you know, 
First of all, I love your values, by the way. I, I love those. We're going to talk more about value, but right now, let me do this. Folks, you are listening to Somi Arian and her book, Career Fear, and how to how to beat it, right? Talking about AI and technology, and you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, you know what? Listen, you know, I've got these two great sponsors. One of them is Epic Physical Therapy. They are, uh, they really are world known. Uh, we have athletes, professional athletes from all over the world that literally come to the Research Triangle Park to actually get treatment at at Epic Physical Therapy. But it's not just for professional athletes, okay? I mean, it's for every every everyday people. I mean, it's for people like me, you, everybody listening, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if you're trying to recover from an injury or surgery. Maybe you're suffering some everyday aches and pains. Maybe you're having some issues of performing the activities that you normally perform. Maybe you just want to improve and feel better. Look, Epic Physical Therapy can help you do all those things and, and more. Look, they treat the Create a customized treatment program that's tailored to your individual needs. With their experience at rehabbing professional athletes to young athletes, they really understand how to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So listen, when you're ready for your epic relief and your epic recovery and your epic results, you can learn more. Just go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, no matter where you're at in the world, you know what? She can help you with your real estate needs and you go, well, how could she do that? She doesn't, she live in the U S yep, she does, but she's independently owned and operated. And as Somi says in her book, you know what? We act globe, we act locally, you know, but you know what? We affect things globally. Well, that's what Linda has done throughout the 35 years of her career is that what she's done is she's made relationships with people all over the world, regardless of who they're affiliated with. How does she do, do that? Because she's unaffiliated herself and is privately owned and operated. And she's run this company from that way from day one. And she believes in the power of relationship, and she believes that the power of relationships overcome everything else. She also believes in the power of memories, because she recognizes that really your home, wherever you live, is really filled with all the memories. As I say to you often, right, you're never going to remember what your grandmother paid for your home, her home. But you know what you do remember? All the memories that you shared there with her. And that's what Linda and her team really understand. It's relationship, memories, and then it's maintaining that over the course of time. So when you're ready for the relationship maker, the memory maintainer, the one that just is absolutely interested in your best interest, and you know what? Why not contact Linda Craft and team? You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, Somi Arian, uh, Career Fear and How to Beat It, Get the Perspective, Mindset, and Skills You Need to future-proof your work life. Somi, one of the things that in in this book, it, there's a theme that kind of came out for me, and you kind of alluded it to here before the break. You, you know, when it comes to AI and technology, I find that people really are in a couple of categories, and, you, and we kind of talked about this. There's the category of denial. Oh, it's not going to affect me. No, that, my job is completely secure. And then you have the other side of it where I, the, the other extreme, which is, oh my God, I'm, my life is over. I'm, I'm never going to, I don't, what am I going to do now? I've done this forever. Right. And I, by the way, I have seen this as technology has changed. I, I literally had, when I wrote my first book on social media and psychology, I literally told a story about a lady who was in business and when the internet and that you could start selling things on the internet. This is back in the late 90s. 
when we were able to start doing that, she was so intimidated that she quit. And it, and it and I really believe to this day that it ended up just you know really just crushing her emotionally. How do we how do we reach those people to get them to understand whether you're the deniers or whether you're the the as you call them the career fear people? What do we yeah. what do we need to do to bring them in? And maybe maybe we need to understand help them understand why they feel that way and what we can do to help them you know change their change their thought process. Okay. So, uh, step one, stop watching Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was not ready for that, Sophie. <laughs> I was so not. Why? Why do we need to stop watching Netflix? That's great. Because they, because they are wasting their time. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> so the world is going into a direction where there's going to be 10% of people doing all the work. 90% of people not having much to do the way that things are going, if it continues the way that it's going, because the age of middle classes is over. You know, people are, uh, majority of people in the West, I feel like they have, especially, you know, our generation, millennials and, you know, and Gen Z, you know, they've not seen difficulty. They've not seen adversity. Yeah, this is like, this is a generation uh, after World War II, the baby boomers, obviously, they created the uh, the middle classes, you know, everything was going upwards, you know, everything was going better. You could get a job after five years, you could, you knew that you would be able to have enough money uh, for a deposit of a, a house, and then you would be able to get a mortgage, you know, have a family. That's not going to be the case for our generation. Because um, the nature of uh, technology is deflationary, right? because you know as technology is moving forward, it's putting more and more people out of a job. Because we are not going to need that many people who don't have unique, amazing skills. So what we need the this book, although yes, it tells you how to uh, have a better career in the future, but. The truth is the steps, the things that I talk about in the book, they're not for everybody. This is not the kind of thing, you know, it's not a book that's like, you know, a manual for how to get a better job, like how to write a better CV. It's not that kind of thing. You know, you need to become a unique worker, a unique person. You need to develop multi-skills. You know, you need to be multi-skilled and you need to be highly, highly skilled in your soft skills or, you know, in your, what I call human skills, which is emotional intelligence, uh, contextual creativity, mindfulness, and uh, critical thinking. And those things take time to develop. So if you are, you know, you have 24 hours, eight hours of sleep, you need that, right? You know, I used to sacrifice sleep. And um, I realized, you know, from uh, reading a lot and 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 uh, thinking a lot about where I'm gonna go, and I was like, what I'm doing is not sustainable. I need to get enough sleep. Okay, so if I'm gonna get enough sleep, then I have 16 hours to work, right? And out of those 16 hours, um, I definitely need to give an hour for exercise. Okay, I can listen to an audiobook while I'm on a treadmill and I'm doing my workout. You know, I need uh, maybe about uh, 40 minutes or so for general kind of things like say 
meditation and things like that, 20 minutes to shower, right? So I'm left with about 14 hours to work, 14 hours to work, right? So this, what I'm suggesting in the book, if you are going to be in that top 10%, this book is written for people who, who want to be in the top 10%. Mm. If you're going to be in the top 10%, you need to work for 14 hours. I'm not talking about work as in sit down and like, you know, just like, I'm not talking about repetitive things. When I say work, you know, let's say out of that 14 hours, four to six hours of it per day should be dedicated to research and development, learning new skills. When I say work, you know, when I'm sitting here and practicing linear algebra, I'm working. Right. That's part of work. Right. You know, think about Newton and, and, you know, Einstein, you know, like, like that kind of work. But, but, but here's the thing, Somi, I think so many people, um, and I, and I know that there is a group of people who would say, oh, well, this is millennials or Gen Z or, you know, even some, um, late, uh, Xers, but people are going, Somi, (laughs) work, I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to. That's not So I'm sorry. Then I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, like the way that things are going. Look, I'm look, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear right. or do you want me to tell right. you the truth? Right. The truth is that AI, artificial intelligence, is going to do all of the repetitive tasks. Right. Okay, let me give you let me give you an algorithm to use to find out whether your job is going to be disrupted or not. Okay? This is very easy sit down and write a list of everything that you do per week, per week or per month, ideally, because there are some tasks that you do maybe once a month or twice a month, right? Sit down and make a list of every single, so for a month, just journal, journal, whatever you're doing, you know, just like write down every day. Okay. I just answered my emails. You know, this was what I did. You know, like I created this list, everything. So create a list. And then what to do is divide that the number of items on that list, divide that by 100, okay? That gives a score per task. Then sit down and ask yourself this question. Two things. These are the two telltale signs of a task that can be um, automated, okay? So that is one. Can this task be defined in terms of if this, then that? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, for example... I create a tutorial for my uh, for one of the people in my team, and I say, follow this tutorial exactly. Like, say for example, go to this website, click here. If this th- says that, then then do that. Right? That's a task that can be defined in terms of if this, then that. An accountant's job, eighty percent. If this, then that. Mm. You know, a, a uh, let's think about a surgeon's job in five ten years time. If this, then that. Open the, you know, cut here. If there is the hernia there, close it like that. You know, <laughs> like like that's it. Like right. like a surgeon's job can be defined. Ninety percent of it can be defined in terms of if this then that. But mm-hmm. a, but a nurse's job can't be. Yeah, you know, because there's so many things that can go wrong. So look at your tasks and say, okay, honestly, in principle, in theory, can this task be defined in terms of if this then that? The second thing is, does this job require human interaction, like what we are doing here? Right. 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 If, if, if the job fulfills those two criteria, right, it's, a, it's like if, if it can't be defined in terms of if this, then that, and it does need a lot of human interaction, you leave that out. Now, out of these 
or say, let's say 100 tasks, if 70% of them, you know, uh, can be defined in terms of if this, then that, your job is toast. It's just a matter of time. You know, as a filmmaker, I have that, you know, like right. so yeah. many things like, like this phone can do a better job than I used to hire people for 500 quid a day. Now I don't. I hire now I hire junior people who've just come out of university. I teach them why because the camera can do so much. Right. That you know there's like it can do so much of the heavy lifting. Right. I don't need a whole big crew, right? So what right. does that mean? That means that the people who were charging me 500 600 a day, they're finding it hard now to find a job, to right. find work. You know, you talk you talk about that. I think it's uh, narrow narrow context. Is that what it is? It's narrow AI and, and general AI. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So you know, I think you know what people don't understand. Like you and I both are authors. We've written books, and and you know we both are have been involved in the art world. The truth of the matter is, we'd love to believe that <laughs> that world is you know somehow uh, that world's going to be pretty special, right? Art and and music and, no. and but it's not. It's not. No, actually, you know, I give examples in the book yeah. where people have um, created uh, music that sounds like Bach, right? <laughs> and, and and Bach lovers have thought that this is Bach. And in some cases, they've actually preferred the AI-generated music to the to the actual Bach. Right. Or people have gone into a. Uh, you can go into a. Um, a museum, right? A gallery, an art right. gallery, and you can't tell. What right. is um, AI-generated art and what is human-generated? And in many cases, people prefer the AI-generated. So arts are not, actually. That's why I talk about contextual creativity right. as opposed to normal creativity. What is contextual creativity? Look, when, when uh, Steve Jobs came up with the idea of the iPod, that is contextual creativity. That's, we need more people like that. Right. We need more humans. So as humans, we need to step up, you know, and mm. I'm trying not to swear here. So we need to step up <laughs> as humans, right? Right. But as we need to step up as a species. Right. Because, you know, I give this example in my talks. I, I show this thing of like there's this Pac-Man, you know, eating up jobs. And then as the Pac-Man is eating the jobs, right? So right. so imagine if this is a job and Pac-Man is eating it. So what does this person need to do? They need to go to one step higher, one step higher. There right. gets a point, we get to a point that we are going to run out of steps to go higher. So what we need to do is we need to step up as a species, mm. as as all of us. Okay, so, yeah. and I agree, because, it, because and we'll, we're going to get to how we untangle that piece. But then comes something that you say very early on in this book, and that is there is a group of people out there who will say, I know they've said this to you because this is typically more uh, your generation, um, I think, and and even sub- subsequently after it, is people will say, you know what, though, Somi, I'm good because you know what? I have an Instagram account and I have thousands of people who follow me. And so I, I'm an influencer. So I'm good, right? I'm, I'm good here because... That's that means that um, I'm 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 going to be okay. What do you say to that? So yeah, I have a very good answer to that. Let me give you an example. You, did you know that I used to be in a death metal band? I so, oh I've seen oh I've seen the picture. <laughs> I've seen I, I've so seen I, so, I've seen the picture. I've seen the interviews. 
Somi. I already knew what your favorite word was because you gave that away. So yeah, <laughs> I, I really yeah, didn't. yeah, because like yeah, because I was in a in a death metal band, right? So um, when I was in in a in a metal band, you know, and when I started out in music, I remember early on. Do you remember MySpace? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh god, I, I yeah. had my my. I still yeah, have my MySpace people. account. I still have the account. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. So there were people who built a huge audience on MySpace, and then overnight, MySpace went away. Yep. Right. And yes, having an audience, it's nice, but what kind of value are you giving to them that they're going to remember you, that they're going to continue to buy from you, that they're going to, you know, right. that you're not, everybody is Logan Paul, you know, <laughs> right. not everybody is like, like, like the problem is that most of the people looking at these influences, they, they don't realize this is no different from becoming Charlize Theron. Right. It's a one in a, it's, it's in a one in a billion right. kind of thing, right? right? It is winning the lottery. Right. I remember, I remember an interview with Charlize Theron, which is one of my favorite actresses. She said, I came to Hollywood thinking and ready to pay my dues, but I didn't have to. That's winning the lo- uh, lottery. Right. And it doesn't happen every day, you know? Right. So, um, the majority of people, you know, they, they think nowadays with, you know, with, with Hollywood, it used to be that people used to watch that and think that's unattainable. But with the Internet, because everybody can have a go, right. they think that it's attainable. But, you know, I know people with half a million followers that cannot make a living from that. You know, it, we- like it's all about having a business mind. And then I also know people who have much less than that and they're making a living from that so it's a question of what you're looking for that's running a business so you still need to be able to develop the um uh, the business acumen to be able to uh, to turn that into something that can pay for your life and you need to be able to give genuine value this is okay you you must have read your own book so here (laughs) so here's the thing so this comes by the way for if, if if by the way, you need to purchase this book, everybody. It's called Career Fear, um, and you know how to beat it. It's just, it's fabulous. Um, and you're hearing how great she is, right? I mean, she's funny and she's fun and she's just brilliant, right? So here's here's the thing: you have um, written uh, for people who are thinking this isn't just chapter two. You've written for people the good, the influencer culture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's actually a name of one of the headings. In chapter two, and you literally say attention and notoriety must be a byproduct of what you offer to your audiences and not the actual object of desire. And I think this is where people get it wrong. I think what happens is people are trying to get internet fame. Well, you, I think you point this out too. People are trying to get internet fame for the sake of it, not because they really have anything to really offer you a value. Because yeah, you know, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, because if you had real value, we'd pay you for it, right? Yeah, like I get people messaging me on, um, you know, because I I have the most amount of followers on LinkedIn, right? And people message me and they're like, tell me, how can we, like, how can I build a LinkedIn following? And my answer to them is actually, I didn't do this to get LinkedIn following. Like the following came as a byproduct. That was not the idea. I was running a business, right? right? I, I am, I'm running a business. And I was thinking, how can I communicate to my potential 
um, client, right, to my potential uh, audience, my clientele. So I started creating valuable content for them. And, you know, where lots of people go wrong, you know, they're like, okay, I'm a filmmaker, so I'm going to create content about how to make films. But actually, if you want to hire, if you want to be hired by the managing director of Steinway Pianos, which is like, for example, one of our clients, you know, it, like he's not going to want to learn how to make videos. <laughs> you need to figure out what the Steinway Pianos managing director wants, right? right? And I figured out what they want is to how to attract millennials. So I created contact, content and, and I did research and I learned about what is going on in the world of millennials. So I created a documentary called The Millennial Disruption. And then I had all of the people that I wanted as my potential clients right. to be part of that, right? So, and I remember I went to interview Gary Vaynerchuk and he was like, Gary was like, this is so smart what you've done. You know, because it's like, it, it, it's just very smart. And I, and I record, I remember, I, I took that bit when Gary said, you're so smart. And at the time, I sent it to my boy, my ex-boyfriend at the time. You know, I was like, look what Gary said to me. <laughs> 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 you know, because because that is it, right? It is. Because you're not concentrating on creating number of followers. Right. You're concentrating on giving value. Yeah. That- <laughs> let's come back to that. You know what, folks, you're listening to a Somi Arian, brilliant, great book, Career Fear, How to Beat It. Oh, yeah. You're worried about AI? You're worried about technology and your job? It's a great book. She's going to put you in the top 10%. And you're listening to her here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, you know what? My sponsors, right, talk about them all the time. I love them. Epic Physical Therapy is a facility. I just walked in there like a week or so ago. Saw Heidi, the owner, and a number of the therapists in there, and they're just such great people, right? And, you know, it's the people that really make the business, and they have the best people. They are certified in most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments. Here's the thing. They also have the most top-of-the-line advanced equipment, and they know how to use it, whether it be the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, Right. And the therapies, right? Blood blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, which, by the way, I do really like a lot. It really does help. And then cupping, you know, that's pretty awesome where they manipulate the muscle through the skin. You get these little circles on your back or wherever they may be. You may have seen them on swimmers in the Olympics. Look, here's the deal. If you really want a, a group of people who are going to take an active interest in not just the symptoms, but in terms of the whole functional part of you and your body, then you need to start with Epic Physical Therapy. When you're ready for that Epic Relief, when you're ready for that Epic Recovery, and you want those Epic Results, go no further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And folks, you know what? There's Linda Craft Team Realtors, right? Talk about her. 35 years in the business, top of her game. How does she do it? How does she stay 35 years at the top of her game? Well, first of all, she knows how to compete. But really, the reason why she does is because she created relationships. She really understood that the power of the relationship will do more than anything else that you can possibly do. It's not the marketing, although it's great. Right. Her, her, you know, it's, it's, it's what her customers say about her. You know what her customers and clients say about her? They say her customer service is legendary. That's right. I I didn't say that. That's what they say. She's got legendary customer service. Right. Well, what does that say? Well, the reason why her customer service is so legendary is because the focus is on the relationship. And you know what? It takes work to make relationships work. Not just from the beginning, but to maintain them over time, which is why her very first client from 1985 still comes to see her. 
It's pretty cool, isn't it? So listen, when you really want a realtor who's going to give you the absolute service that you desire, start with Linda Craft and her team. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here with uh, Somi Arian uh, here on A New Direction in her book, Career Fear. And we're having a really good time. How to be? Are you having a good time? So me. Oh, I'm having an amazing time. Yeah. yeah, I'm having a blast with you. You are you're absolutely so much fun, and I've I've really, I I told you. you know, you've caught me actually. You've caught me on a bad day. I, I had I was <laughs> I, not a bad day, but but you know I had a, a conference last night and I I didn't sleep well afterwards because I always get so hyper after it. It's, and, it's hard. Um, you know, I get yeah, it. And lots of things went wrong, and you know we were talking about it earlier. You know, with the with the technology, with things, but you know how do you keep uh, going under pressure, right? right and you yeah. were talking about physical fitness, right. you know, and it's all of that is so important, you know. I it take is. so many supplements. I look after myself. I exercise, you know. I, I make sure I get enough sleep. Don't watch Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, honestly, I haven't watched a single TV show or movie since October 2019. Wow. Right? Like over a year. A single, not a single episode of anything you, you, you know okay so let's let's work into this i want to finish up with this gary vanyerchuk quote because uh actually it's something that came out of your van gary vanyerchuk interview you say to people if you want to do whatever you're going to do and we we were talking specifically about the online social media styled influencer the digital influencer here's what you say you have to identify your talent you have to know your audience and then you have to help them solve a problem or entertain them with your arts and creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Either you solve a problem. So either you relieve a pain. Right. Or you enhance the quality of somebody's life with arts and well, but And this, this goes back to something that uh, you and I, uh, you and I have an agreement about that we, and you don't come right out and say this, but you allude to it all over the book. And that is, you know what? We all have some sort of a natural talent. There, there's something that's naturally within us that we're talented to do. I, I, you know, I think sometimes we get so caught up into education. And look, I am as highly educated as anyone. And I think we get so caught up into education that we overlook our natural talents and abilities and skills and things that we do because we don't think that they're natural talents and abilities and skills. But the truth of the matter is we have them. And if we w- and if we will learn to know ourselves, chapter yeah. and book, right? Because we have got to get to a point where we can know ourselves so well. But the problem is we don't know ourselves as well as we think we do, do we? No, most people don't. I don't think you know. Knowing yourself is a day-to-day mm-hmm. endeavor. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's a it's a job. Every day you need to work on it, right? And and I and there is two things. There's knowing about yourself, and there's knowing yourself. Mm. Two different things. Sometimes interrelated, right? Two different things. Yeah, let's right? go with it. So knowing yourself is like going here into your gut. Knowing about yourself is like understanding your personality traits. Mm. Where does it come from? Is it partly genetics? Is it partly environmental? How did it come about? You know, like for example, I would say that genetically and environmentally, because I grew up during the Iran-Iraq War, you know, mm. in in Tehran, and I came to the UK when I was twenty-three. You know, so I I grew up in Iran and during uh, the war. So it was a very tough time. So I developed a lot of neuroticism. Neuroticism is like, you know, it's one of the worst traits to have. What did I do? 
I didn't accept that. I worked on it. I developed, right. you know, empathy. I developed, um, you know, I, I uh, was able to uh, take out my anger and aggression through heavy metal music. You know, <laughs> you know like I used all sorts of, you know, things to, to overcome that and to become better. So my passion is self-overcoming. Every day I want to overcome myself and I want to get better and better, you know, because every day th then when you live that way, you never get old because I'm always getting better. <laughs> right. right, right. This is, by the way, you know, you give, in, in, you give a whole bunch of really great advice and we'll talk about some of it um, here because in the show, but one of the pieces of advice that you, you don't come right out and say it, but based on, you know, what I know about your life which you've been extraordinarily transparent about and and that you've already alluded to and everything that you've written in this book called, by the way, Career Fear, How to Beat It, available bookstores everywhere, um, is that there is one other thing that is required if we are going to be able to, I don't know if the word compete is the right word, but if we're going to over, is or if we're going to be able to move on or with or strive with AI and technology, and that is that there has to be some sort of tenacity. There has to be some sort of perseverance. Absolutely. And and because when I look at your life, right, and and I know that this book, you you know, you tell us a little bit about your life, but the truth of the matter is, you know, sometimes, no, not sometimes. The truth is, is that pain is the only way we can learn to overcome, because no one learns perseverance if nothing bad happens to them. Yeah, I, I mean, you and you you kind of allude to that here, right? I mean, you do kind of say, mm -hmm. you know, look, it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, you don't yeah. stop you don't stop going to the gym because it hurts. Yeah, right. I mean, there there is a level of perseverance, and I think that's I think that's a piece in this book that you allude to all over it is that we have got you you've got to take one more step, and you can't learn to be perseverant if you're not going through some pain. That's right. And sometimes, you know, you, this is funny to say, sometimes you're lucky like me because I grew up in pain. You know, mm. I just, I was, as you were talking, I was right. looking for, I don't know if you can see, this is where I grew up. Can you see? Like yeah. you can see the, you can see the picture of like yeah. this is like the depth of poverty. Wow. You know, in 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 south of Tehran, you know, in war. You know, like literally, like you know, that's why I was saying, like I think a lot of people of my generation in the West haven't seen adversity. So You're what right. do you do if you? I call I call myself lucky. At the time, it didn't feel lucky. You know, <laughs> there were times like the first time I thought about. You know, like this is this is this life is too difficult. I can't take it. And I used to tell my mom, "Why did you bring me to this world?" You know, like right. it, I was six years old when I first told my mom that. Yeah, so 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 I had a very difficult childhood, and and my uh, publisher didn't want me to put it in the book because she said like it's going to be too strong. You know, but uh, I have several other publishers that now are interested in you know my life story, and one day I'll write it because and and I think the the day when I write it, it I'm going to write it as a comedy because it was so tough. You know, it yeah. was like so not fun right. that uh, that I'm like you know that the only way I can talk about it is by laughing at it. Right. Like, you know, looking at and look, look, say, look, look, I'm okay. Right. You see, right. like, you see, like you try to break me to tell a lie. Right? Right. You try to break me. But that's 
good. And when you look at some of, some of the people, some of the most successful people right. in the world throughout history, these are people who have had very, very tough times. Look at Oprah, right? right. She's one of my heroes, right. right? So, so like, so, but the new generation, the younger generation, Gen Z, you know, now in the age of technology in the West, you know, we are now, it's so easy. Like anybody can have an iPhone. Anybody can, you know, get uh, things on. We right. don't have that sense of attachment to things. We don't need to be going and buying things. We, right. Everything is, is, you know, you can get it on a contract, on a subscription, right? So you have right. access to everything. But what, what people need to understand is access and ownership are not the same. Mm. And the, the thing that is giving you the access can take it away, right? So you need to develop a certain level of um, ability to protect yourself, right? Because you need to have, in order to, to survive, so in, in order to thrive, you need to first survive. Right. If you can't survive, you can't thrive, right? right? right and the right. problem is a lot of the younger generation that I look at, you know, some of the people that are maybe 10 years younger than me, 15 years younger than me, that I look at the way that they're behaving on social media, it feels like they have forgotten the survive part, right? They're right. still living with their parents or they are like, you know, having a minimum wage kind of job, but because they're getting things on subscription, they think that they have everything mm. and they, and they forget. And then something like this COVID happens and it, um, you know, it jolts you and it, it makes you think, makes you realize actually you are vulnerable. You're vulnerable. So you, you need to make sure that you, um, because if you, if you wait for governments, if you wait for, uh, you know, organizations that are going to give you a handout, that's not the position you want to be in. You know, like I, I'm right. so surprised at people who during this time when, when they've been furloughed, so they're getting paid to sit at home. So they're getting furloughed, sitting at home, watching Netflix. I'm like, you need to use this time to learn a right. new skill. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you talk, you talk all the time about you know, one of the things that we're going to have to learn if we're going to be in this world is we're going to have to become multidisciplinary. Yeah. Right. And you so need this to learn, le learn to film, learn to edit, learn to, you know, create animation, learn to, um, you know, run, make websites, you know, like you need right. to learn, learn to code, you know, what? you know, one of the biggest areas where there's opportunity for work for women now is cybersecurity. And it's, it, it just baffles me. People are like, you know, I, I'm, 25 years old, furloughed from a retail company that I was working on a, on a, a shop floor. I'm sitting home watching Netflix. Why are you doing that? Right. There, there are job opportunities for you to I go did. into. Yeah. I, I'm right with you. You know, here's, here's the problem. And you talk about this in Chapter 9. Is that we have not learned how to fail. And you say yeah. it is so important. You make it as one of the crux things that you need to do to get past this is you you've got to learn to fail because you say yeah. here's what you say be prepared for 99 percent of your ideas to ideas to fail mm -hmm. exactly. as long as you as and here's here's the best quote this is the money quote right here as long as you are prepared to fail you will find your way exactly that's a beautiful but, but you, do you know how beautiful that is that what you wrote right there that is just one of the most beautiful perfect sentences as long as you are prepared to fail, you will find your way. That's brilliant. Yeah, you know, and, and 
I still fail. I I failed epically yesterday. I had a it seriously. I don't we believe had a it. Conference. Uh, we had a conference. Everything went wrong. Basically, I spent five hours because I've been doing on a shoestring budget. You know, I I haven't had. There's we we are not getting yet. So I don't. I, we didn't even talk about this. I've started a think tank for women in business and technology. Over in just since July, we've got uh, over ten thousand people who have signed up for it. So we had this conference yesterday, the third conference for it, and I spent all day sorting out the tech because I had a fallout with my developer, so I had to let him go, and I was suddenly left on my own trying to sort this out. Right, I spent five hours figuring out, making sure that the tech was fine. We did the rehearsal, everything. We went live. The moment we went live, our website went down because the website could not <laughs> could not handle the traffic. Oh my gosh! So, right, and, right. and I'm sitting there with 14 panelists, <laughs> right? 14 panelists, and the, one of them was like he he was the um, uh, president of Royal Society of Medicine. Uh, or in orthopedics or something like that. Like, like, like imagine, like, all of, I've got right. all of these people, professors, you know, all these people. And I failed miserably. And I'm, like, sitting there, and uh, everybody is texting me, messaging me. You know, my colleague is coming through the door. They say the website is down. What did I do? I, I continued. You know what you, we were you, also, you, you know, you, we were you, also doing it. Yeah, yes. Because you talk about, later on in the chapter, here's one of your other key points. You know what you do? Improvise. Improvised. That, that, that's what I did. That's what you did, <laughs> right? Right, because that's that's another key to you know this getting over, getting beating this is that you go. Sometimes we need to be able to empathize in the face of uncertainty and use our intuition to draw from past experience to solve new problems. It, I I keep saying to people, do you realize? And you said this without saying this. In the middle of this pandemic, we have the greatest opportunity to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Exactly. I I don't know why. People are so afraid to not improvise during this time. You have so much opportunity to learn exactly. so much about yourself, so much about other things. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And you say this. I love this. This is one of my favorite. Right after learning to fail, you know what you say? Connect the dots. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because you. Because once you – that's what it is. Like it's, it's the, the mark – the hallmark of success is being able to see the big picture and the small. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mm-hmm. sit here and I look at – what I'm building, you know, there are times that I'm so tired that I can't, like, I really am pushing myself to the limit. Those are times that I just remember. I'm like, all I have to think about is I'm building, you know, this thing, that the think tank for women in business technology. All I have to do is just continue to talk to people, you know, who are interested in that or who could be interested in that. Right. Just continue, just keep going, just keep going. And then there are times where I get back my energy and I'm like, and then I, you know, can have the bigger picture. But the the point is that uh, about improvisation, people say fake it till you make it. I disagree. I would say improvise till you make it. I love that. Right? I love that. It's not fake it till you make it. It's right. improvise till you make it. Do you know that you and I have been on the air for over an hour? Oh. It's gone, oh it's gone so fast. <laughs> you it's have, been so interesting. <laughs> you have been fabulous. Seriously, you have been so fabulous. So the show is called A New Direction because we try to help people find a new direction in their life, their career, their business, and leadership and success. Um, And you have been an amazing – the book uh, is amazing. I can't say it enough. People need to pick this up. I'm I'm just telling you – 
I, I, it's completely dog-eared. My book is completely dog-eared and covered in yellow. So uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's how I read. <laughs> so I'm just telling you there are there is something for you in this book when it comes to artificial intelligence and technology. You're going to love it. But I'm going to have Somi do me a favor. Since it's called A New Direction, if you could leave people with A New Direction, what would Somi Arian say to leave people with A New Direction regarding career fear? And moving on. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's just one one thing. Yeah. New direction, right? Um, I would say it all starts by stopping, right? If you can figure out a way to puncture the speed with which you're living your life, right? And when I'm saying speed, I mean the speed of opening this browser to that browser, going from this social media to that social media, watching this show to that show. You know, people watch a show, they finish it, they don't even wait. They're immediately onto the next one. You've got to find a way to puncture because when you puncture it and you slow down and you sit back and just sit here in quiet, be comfortable with quiet. There's many times I don't even use music, nothing. Just quiet and think or go for a walk and think. And then dig deep here. See what what does this say? <laughs> gut, right? Got to dig gut. deep, in, right? Yeah, your gut. Yeah. yeah. Listen to your gut. But 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 most of the time, what people think is their gut is not their gut. Is is social media? Is like you know? It's like people are like, oh, my gut says I should do you know YouTube, um, whatever. No, no, that's social media. It's a picture of right. success that you're watching and you're thinking. That's not your gut. Your gut is when you figure out a way to enhance the quality of other people's lives. If you can enhance the quality of other people's lives, either by taking away a pain or adding some sort of happiness to them, you know, what do people want? They want suffering to go away and they want happiness to come in. If you can figure out to give that to people, then your gut will be satisfied. <laughs> wow. Did I tell you she was amazing? People? Hello? Hello? You, you, all of you people who are driving down the road, who are going to be listening to this later, who are listening to this, did I tell you she was amazing? Did I tell you she was brilliant? Did I tell you she was everything advertised to be? No, she was more than that. Somi, thank you so much. Folks, you know what? That's the show. You know what I say to you every week, right? Be inspired because when you're inspired, that means that you'll inspire other people. And when they become inspired, that means that they'll inspire others. And when that happens, that makes this world a great place. I'm going to be back here with another great guest, another great book. And it's going to be another fabulous show. I promise you it will be, as I say to you every week. And you know what that is? Ciao, everybody. Thank you. And the answers don't make sense You've got to keep your hope alive you got to know you can survive This is your 